Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guests today are Swapna Krishna and Jen Northington, editors of the new anthology, Sword, Stone, Table, Old Legends, New Voices. Swapna and Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having us. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new anthology, Sword, Stone, Table, Old Legends, New Voices, how would you describe the anthology? Jen, you want to take okay. this one? <laughs> I was like, since it was, it was originally Jen's idea, so I usually let her answer this question. That, that's fine. Sorry, Jeff, <laughs> for the awkward pauses that you'll have to edit out. Yeah, so it is, as the title would imply, a collection of King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table and Camelot retellings from voices and authors who you might be surprised to see retelling them. Uh, we did our best to put together a really broad range of genres of authors from different um, backgrounds and races and ethnicities and marginalizations and sort of told them, you know, go have fun. Who who do you want to write about? What do you want to do? And uh, And the result is this anthology. That's great. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to to working on and editing the anthology? Yeah, it was actually literally because I was looking for King Arthur retelling stories to read and I was having trouble finding them. Um, this was probably back in about 20, late 2017, early 2018. And I, we, we're getting so many now, but at that point, you know, three to four years ago, there just weren't that many. And I was frustrated. I was like, I want, I want more because I'm a huge King Arthur fan. And Swapna, who is a good friend and, and former coworker, and I had bonded over our love of King Arthur retellings. So I said to her, Hey, do you think people would write some for us if we, if we asked them to? And, uh, and now here we are. Yep. That's that's great. Well, I know that all of the stories are special, but I'm wondering if you could just describe three or four of the stories from the anthology to give readers a sense of what they'll find in Sword, Stone, Table, Old Legends, New Voices. Um, they are all very special. Um, and Jen and I are very unable to pick favorites because they are um they're all they're all just very unique and incredible in their own ways, but um, off the top of my head, just a few stories um, that jump out at me. And this is just kind of random. So I'm not picking these because they're my favorites. Sure. They're my favorites. <laughs> um, so Anthony Rapp, who is known for his role in Rent, um, Star Trek, he's on Star Trek Discovery, made a fiction debut um, in this um, anthology. And he wrote a story set during the AIDS crisis um, about... Um, one uh, a gay couple, one of um, whom is in the hospital, and uh, Merlin shows up, and it's this very just bittersweet exploration of kind of it, the feelings and you know the difficulty associated with that time period and what the gay community was going through at that point, um, um, and with some you know with some interesting magic that asks very interesting questions, um, and then there's let's see, uh. Maria Devana Headley, uh, who just recently did an incredible translation of Beowulf, wrote a kind of uh, like a like a muckraking journalism story about um, kind of this incredible family. I don't even know. Jen, please jump in because like I feel like there's so much 
to Maria's story uh, that I'm not going to get, but it's, you know, kind of set in the Gilded Age Midwest. And it's just this, it's a very unexpected story told through this like lot of items discovered. um, And it's kind of this mystery about like what happened and putting, you know, kind of making connections from all the items discovered. It's super creative. Um, Alexander Chi wrote a story set on Mars. That's a retelling of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is, you know, in the, you know, news right now because of the Death Hotel <laughs> movie. Um, and sent on Mars, which, you know, y- y- not something you traditionally expect from a- Alex Chi. And then let's see, uh, let's, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia wrote a fantastic story that's kind of the Lady of Shalott, um, but set in a future Mexico City. Yeah, I... Uh... Gosh, there's there are so many stories in it. I know, like I'm just like describe a few. (laughs) Um, We also have a coffee shop AU for fans uh, of that form, where uh, an Elaine sort of realizes she's caught in a story while working in a coffee shop in London. Uh, Lancelot shows up, and hijinks ensue. Um, we've got, oh, Asma Zahanat Khan's story, mm-hmm. The Once in Future Kadi, which is the first in the collection, which imagines the, uh, trial of Queen Guinevere, um, for infidelity set in during the crusade period. And the court of Camelot has called in an Islamic judge to pronounce upon her innocence or otherwise, which is an amazing twist. Uh, and, We've also got Nisi Shaw's story. Um, mm-hmm. They imagined the lady, uh, yeah, the lady of the lake as an albino Ugandan sorceress who comes to Camelot to study with Merlin. So there's all kinds of different time periods and, you know, characters that you'll recognize and some that you might be less familiar with. Uh, it just cast in completely new light. That's great. Well, were there other anthologies that inspired you to as you worked on Sword, Stone, and Table? Um, absolutely. So there's been a real renaissance of anthologies in the young adult world um, that I think inspired, that we are both fans of and inspired us. Dahlia Adler has um, uh, edited two, and I think I think it's two now. And then um, A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman, which is like fa- fairy tales from the south southeast and east asian worlds um and so there's a lot going on in the ya world and we but now there's a lot more in the adult world um but when jen and i were talking about this that 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 um the that love of like really diverse inclusive anthologies with a strong point of view hadn't quite come to the adult world yet so um that was kind of our starting point Sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's two adult an- anthologies that I specifically have been a huge fan of that really inspired me. And those are uh, New Sons by Nisi Shaw, which is getting a second installment, mm-hmm. which I could not be more excited about. And then uh, The Jin Falls in Love and Other Stories, which is edited by Jared Shuren and Mavesh Murad. When it came out, I was just completely bowled over. And those two, I think, have been living in the back of my head, as well as the young adult anthologies that that's what mentioned. So I I definitely feel like we are part of a, I don't know if movement is the right word, but we're we're certainly part of a continuum of uh, editors and authors taking, you know, 
fresh looks and new approaches to things that maybe they're original works, maybe they're retellings, but um, we're seeing a lot more of this kind of thing. And it's so exciting to be a part of that. That's great. Well, what was your editing process for Sword Stone Table? Was it an open call? And did you have difficulty keeping it to, I think it was 16 stories? Yeah, it was not an open call. We thought about it, but we uh, we learned when you're putting together an anthology and trying to sell it to a publisher that you have to have, you know, a, a certain number of recognized names sure. in your in your proposal before you can even, you know, submit it to a publisher. And so we started, you know, we had this giant spreadsheet of all the authors that we could think of whose work we love and who we thought might be willing to open an email from us uh, and consider writing a story. And we ended up just, you know, staying inside of that spreadsheet and sending out specific asks because it was just so exciting to start to get those yeses back. And we certainly got plenty of noes, um, but it, it became clear to us that that we might be able to do it just entirely uh, by targeted asks. And, and that's how that's how it ended up happening. But it was I will say it was very hard to, like, prioritize <laughs> which, oh, you know, authors we wanted to ask when because we just wanted to ask everybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you planning to edit any future anthologies? I think right now we're focusing on this one because I mean it has the reception to it has been uh I don't I don't even know out of this world <laughs> like it's 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 been fantastic and we're both humbled and just feel really lucky that um you know that people it's resonating with people the way we'd hoped but so I think we're focusing we're still we're still not done with this one is you know what we like to say but I would definitely not rule out the idea of doing um doing more in the future. Mhm. That's great. Well, new voices and perspectives are featured in Sword, Stone, and Table. I'm curious, in a larger conversation, what other efforts need to be made in book publishing to reflect the diversity of the reading audience? What an enormous question. Yes. <laughs> a good one, an important one, but a huge question. So what, Matt, do you want to tackle it first or shall I? Yeah, um, I, I do. Like, I, I think it is an enormous question and there's a lot that could be done. I think a lot of it is um, is starts with uh, who's employed at publishers. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, right now it's people who can, you know, who have the financial backing to be able to move to New York, work for a starting salary of and work for starting salary of thirty five thousand dollars an hour, which or thirty five thousand dollars. Hey, I would do it. I would do it for thirty five thousand dollars <laughs> a year. Um, and that's not a lot of underprivileged people, frankly. That's people. You know, that's that's not you know the case. So I think making um, strides towards um, raising base salaries, making strides towards a more remote uh, workforce, making internships. Uh, a remote, um, just making it more accessible, and then hiring. Um, I think to help because it's not just hiring at the bottom; it's also promoting people, uh, people, and because it always ends up that the you know the lower levels are um, more women, a little more diverse, and then you get to the upper levels, and that kind of starts closing. And so it's promoting people and bringing people in from outside of publishing. Frankly, I think. Um, to be at those upper level positions because, you know, the salaries are so low. A lot of people who can't afford to stay in publishing for a long time leave. And so for other industries, so. 
Yeah, I think absolutely hiring across the board, across all levels, needs to be much more accessible and uh, outreach needs to be done. And I think, you know, publishing has a lot of rethinking to do. I think that for a very long time, who got hired at a publisher was a very specific resume. And I don't know that that has served us well. I mean, I've Swepman and I've been in the book industry for a long time. You know, I got my first job at an indie bookstore in 2004 and has basically been here ever since in various capacities. And I think that, you know, as much as I love all of my contacts and and the people I've worked with over the years, we, and I'm including myself here, did have a very particular kind of resume. And I, I think that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe we've pigeonholed ourselves in that sense, and we need to wake up and and start thinking more outside of the box. I mean, publishing as an industry has had to weather huge changes, right, over the past year and a half with COVID. Um, But even before that, you know, publishing has been struggling. We've got all these mergers happening. There's the Amazon problem, the perennial problem of Amazon. And so, you know, getting new ideas and new people in is only going to help us. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories? And and especially those writers who may uh, have uh, a marginalized background or point of view and who may be frustrated at, at their kind of um, uh, writing and, 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 you know, success, what writing advice would you offer for them? The first piece of advice I would offer is if they are not following Eric Smith on Twitter, they should follow Eric Smith on Twitter. He is a literary agent. He specializes in YA, but represents all um, that all he represents middle grade adult. um, And he dispenses the amount of free, really good advice he dispenses about like just like writing about the publishing process. He has sample query letters that actually worked on like that his people sent to him and that worked on his website he is trying he is working very very hard to break down some of the barriers that people feel when they you know i want to publish a book and i don't know where to start and you know yes you can google like how to get an agent but it's such it can feel so overwhelming that that a lot of people especially when you're from a marginalized background aren't used to hearing no stop themselves before they even start and eric makes it accessible and he breaks it down and i'm in so so, i'm so much in awe of what he does and how much he gives back to the community so i would highly recommend uh for process stuff and for just a better understanding of what you're getting yourself into and what you need to be doing and you know all of that to follow eric 
Yes, Eric is great. Uh, yeah, I think I have like five million thoughts. I'm trying to condense them into <laughs> something bite-sized. I mean, I think, first of all, it's very important to remember that publishing is a small numbers game. That, you know, very few people can make a living as a writer, solely as a writer. Uh, very few people get published their first time out, whether it's in a literary magazine or, you know, in in a anthology or if it's, you know, selling a book. Like all of those things, the, the odds are, are against you <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, you know, I guess I would encourage everybody to try to stay realistic and not be discouraged by the fact that it's it is rough uh and 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 to try to you know look around to see what you're loving reading and where that's coming from and and use that as a sort of guide to where do you want to direct your efforts because you know if you're noticing that there's a lot of great short fiction coming out of Fia Lit magazine, for example, and maybe that's where you want to submit. Or, you know, it's poetry and you're looking at some of these amazing poetry journals that are out there now. Or you see anthologies, um, you know, look for the publishers, look for the authors and editors and 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 dig around and see, you know, how they are doing what they're doing. And again, there's a lot of luck involved and there's a lot of there are a lot of connections involved in the publishing process. So I just, I hope that people will not get too discouraged when they start to hit the roadblocks that sort of inevitably come up for writers who are just starting out. Sure. Oh, and join a, join a local writers community if you have one. If oh, there yeah. is one, join it. Like it is, they're, they're very valuable for a lot of reasons. That's great. Well, what novels or stories have you two read recently that you enjoyed? Gosh. So right now I'm reading Ilatsoe, which is by Darcy Little Badger and is actually is a YA novel uh, in the sci-fi fantasy realm. And it's just so interesting. I can't even it's like sort of like an Apache contemporary Nancy Drew murder mystery with supernatural elements and a ghost dog like it's hard to describe <laughs> but it's really doing things that i just have not seen somebody do before which i'm really loving and then uh in terms of um other things i'm reading right now i uh i just started folklore uh, by oh gosh, I should have Angela Me Young Hur. Yes, thank oh you. Oh my god, that it's book so intense. It's really a sort of. T I mean, I have to be reading it very slowly because it's sort of. It's it's. I can I can only stand the tension level for a couple of chapters at a time. But it's incredibly beautifully written. Um, I am seconding the recommendation for Folklore. That's probably that might be my best my favorite book of the year. It is just it is very intense. Um, and I read it during, um, you know, a lot of the attacks on Asians in the U.S. And so it was very, very, it's it's a very intense book. Um, um, I just finished this book called My Sweet Girl by Amanda Jayatisa, who um, is a Sri Lankan-American writer. And this is a psychological thriller that divides between, like, current day San Francisco um, and the a main character's childhood at an orphanage in Sri Lanka. And it is... The the thriller space is still very dominated by a certain type of writer. And so it's really in exciting to see these, uh, you know, these, you know, more diverse writers uh, like being published. And it is this book. I 
I this year has been hard, I think, for everybody in terms of like concentrating on books and sitting down and reading. Um, I've had a lot of trouble and I literally read this book in two sittings, um, which is, you know, unheard of for me these days because mm. I was just so wrapped up in the story and in her writing and in just like there's a lot of anger. Her Her main character has just a lot of anger and just there's a lot of really good work, talk and work on identity in the book and it's it's fantastic wow that sounds great well where can people find you two online if they'd like to learn more about you and your anthology sword stone table so I am on a couple of places I'm on twitter and tumblr as jen irl j-e-n-n-i-r-l and you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And I'm also over at Book Riot. I podcast for them on the Get Booked and SFF Yeah podcasts. And yeah, that's that's most of my stuff. Um, I am at, on Twitter at S Krishna and on Instagram as well. And that's mainly where you can find me. Um, I write a video games column at Wired every other week. And um, I co-host a podcast called Daisy Geek Girls. Um, where we talk about, you know, being South, being Indian in a kind of pop culture through an Indian American lens. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Swapna Krishna and Jen Northington, editors of the new anthology, Sword, Stone, Table, Old Legends, New Voices. The anthology is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Swapna and Jen, thanks for doing this interview. Thank thanks you so much. Great. Thanks a lot. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of Sword, Stone, Table, available from PRH Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold. It was the summer of 2018, and we were sitting in Swapna's living room. Swapna was pregnant with her first baby, and Jen was bursting with an idea for an anthology. Where are the gender-bent Arthur stories? Jen asked. The race-bent retellings? the queered ones. We couldn't easily find them. And we thought it just might be possible that not only did other people want them, but also there were folks out there ready to write them, or who maybe already had. As this collection came together over the past few years, it's hard to believe we've been working on it for so long. It's been exciting to discover the published stories we missed and to see that we weren't alone. There's been a renaissance of bent Arthur retellings that we devoured. Even more electrifying for us are the authors who said yes when we asked, then proceeded to write stories that have blown our minds, knocked our socks off, and made our hearts grow too many sizes to count. Each writer puts their own unique spin on a bit of Arthurian legend. One of the unexpected joys of editing has been watching the resonances develop among them especially when none of the writers really knew what anyone else was working on, except for barest details, character, general time frame, maybe genre. These stories have cousins and siblings the authors aren't even aware of. Once. Roshani Chokshi and Sarah McLean deliver atmospheric stories heavy with longing and bursting with romance, albeit in very different ways both giving voice to strong women we've fallen in love with. Asma Zeyanath Khan and Nisi Shal bring the wider world to Camelot in ways that blur its boundaries 
and elevate the storytelling to something larger and more global. And Daniel Lavery and Saif Doyle make us laugh, make us cry, and give us two queer couples that absolutely deserve to be canon. Present Then there is Maria Davana Headley, who finds the Arthurian overtones of a muckraker in late 19th century America. Wabgishig Rice and Alex Segura both incorporate baseball into their reimagined Arthur, but in very different ways. In one, a pickup game on a reservation leads to an amazing discovery. In the other, a washed-up minor league player finds help where he least expects it. Anthony Rapp finds magic in the throes of the AIDS crisis, while S. Zenab Williams explores that intangible search for belonging through a lonely girl in Singapore. Jessica Plummer and Preeti Chibber both consider how it might look if a legend made itself known in modern life, with very different consequences. Future No Arthurian collection would be complete without a look forward, and Silvia Moreno-Garcia brings us to a near-future Mexico City in a story both eerie and prescient. Ken Liu takes us even farther out, into a universe in which identity shifts from one moment to the next, but past mistakes can haunt you forever. A little closer to home is Alexander Chi's story, set on our neighboring planet and contemplating public versus private personas, secrets, and games. This collection has been a privilege and a joy to curate, and has shown us just how much room there is to play. We hope that you'll enjoy these stories as much as we do, that these stories are merely the tip of the iceberg for inclusive Arthurian fiction. Everyone deserves to see themselves on the page. And even if you don't find your specific identity within these stories, perhaps you'll see some small part of yourself inside these characters and these old and yet entirely new legends. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.